Well, we are we are we have been going the last couple of months. We've been heading through our elephants in the room theme um, over, I suppose, July and August. And uh, I know it's been amazing. We've we've been going through the different conversations around it and tackling some big cultural issues and uh, really getting a bit of uh, Christian world food, uh, worldview uh, based around them. And I'm loving as well, even the podcasts that are coming out in the week and being able to dissect and go a bit deeper into them. And if you haven't checked them out, every single week, the partial team is putting out these podcasts that are dissecting a lot deeper than simply we can go in 20 or 30 minutes on a Sunday. Um, but I'm excited tonight. And the title of my message is this, Curing a Dying Religion. Curing a Dying Religion. You know, statistically right now, you might have seen it in the, uh, the latest census that came out. But as we look across the landscape of our nation right now, we look at statistics, we look at the data, what we find is it looks like we're in a new uncharted waters as the body of Christ and as the church. As we look at the data of our nation, as the opinion of our nation, as, as the census has started to roll out, we start to see the stats start to show us a picture of some uncharted waters that the church hasn't walked through before that we're in a new era, an era that shows us over the last decade, what we see statistically is that more than ever before in our nation, we see people statistically a decline in people turning away from religion, turning away from the local church, turning away from the Christian worldview, turning away from God, turning away from these things that we would, we would I suppose, associate with the life of faith or the reality of faith. But we see statistically in what's just come out real recently, people are turning away and, and more than ever, we see the data says that more than ever, more people are saying, man, I, I'm not religious. I don't want anything to do with it. I don't want any part of it or anything like that. And when we read the data, when we read the stats, the world can look dark. When we look at the media and the different things being tried to project at us, there's a lot of pain there's wars and rumours of wars. There's darkness around us. There's pain around us. It seems like that the world is almost closing in and it feels like the church is fighting almost like an uphill battle. Fighting an uphill battle like, man, is there even a way to break this thing forward? Is there even a way to move this thing forward? Like, how can we see more people one to Christ? How can we live as believers in today's day and age when it feels like, man, a Christian just pokes his head out just a little bit and the whole world cuts his head off and they cancel them and shut them down. And it just feels like what used to be a day where we could live in and the general consensus was Christianity was accepted. It seems like it's begun to get rejected. But if we look at a little deeper, what we can see is we understand that for us, I kind of look at our generation. I look at us, you and I, believers in the house tonight, the people who love this church and love being a part of this church. Some of us, you've been coming a couple of months, maybe you've been coming a couple of years. Maybe you've grown up here much like myself. You've been here since you were a kid. But for me, I look at the stats and if you follow the trends of where that's gonna go, what it tells us is if you follow the trends, we're only one generation away from the, the life-giving, glorious gospel being totally extinct in our generation, being totally extinct, that it won't be present, it won't be available, it won't be preached as we look at the decline of what's taking place. And I don't know about you, but I get challenged by that. 
Because I don't want to be the kind of generation that thinks about in a hundred years time, I look at a building like this and I, and I remember the days where I got to worship with thousands of people. But in a hundred years, it's just like an empty cathedral where we remembered the days of the past revivals, but it just seems like a dead place now. Even we look across our city, Many of the big old school, you might see them in the city, uh, churches that were built, were built in a revival that broke out in the late 1800s in Brisbane City. And they started to converting these, these small churches into big cathedrals to fill the thousands of people that were coming to Christ. But as we see, as time's gone on, as the gospel's been handed to generation to generation, we now see these giant thousand-seater cathedrals in the middle of our city on Sunday mornings, totally empty. And for me, it challenges me because the data is screaming at you. The stats, it's not just someone's opinion. It's not just someone's like idea. It's not like a general feeling or a consensus. It's, it's, it's the data and the stats are telling us that there is a decline from religion. But if we look a little deeper into, I suppose the analysis here is there is a fascinating trend taking place. That as we've seen in this trend in recent times, a study done, study done in the exact group, same group of people, the same amount of people, in the same time period over the last 10 years, we've seen a decline of people saying, I'm not religious anymore, I'm turning away from that. But in the exact same time period, we've seen an increase of the same amount of people turning towards and accepting some sense of spirituality. In other words, although they're turning from religion, there's an opening to understand, man, there's something more about life. There's something more out there. There's something more going on. This confronts me, but also encourages me because it shows me something, that the world is hungry for the answer. The world is hungry for something real. They're not just looking for religious practices, religious ideas. They're actually looking for something real that can transform their life. They're not just looking for a faith that kind of helps behavior modify them a bit. They're looking for something that's gonna transform them from the inside out. We even see it to the point where right now, statistically, atheism is at its lowest point in history of people putting up their hand and saying, yep, I'm an atheist, there is no God, there is no spiritual side of things, it's just non-existent. We see that at the lowest point in human history right now, as long back as they've been tracking this data. This is the lowest point it's ever been that people totally rejecting the idea of God. And I love this, that in 2 Corinthians 3 verse 17, it says, now the Lord is a spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. It is only His Spirit. It is only His presence. It's only His anointing that can set us free. It's the only thing. We have nothing else to offer the world. We don't have to offer the world religious ideas, concepts, like now that you're saved, come to church and that's kind of all there is to it. We actually have to offer them the one thing that's gonna set them free and that is the Spirit of God. And I need to tell you tonight, Buddha isn't gonna set you free. Allah isn't gonna set you free. Those new age concepts aren't gonna set you free. That witchcraft isn't gonna set you free. Those spiritual ideas and um, worshiping mother nature is not gonna set you free. It is only the Spirit of God. It is only the Spirit of the Lord that's gonna bring freedom to your life. But there's this sense where the world looks at religion and says, I want the Spirit, 
but I don't want that. So where's the gap? Where's the disconnect? Where's the gap here? And I love this, that there's this amazing quote that, that came off the back of the stats and it says this, a statistical rise in no religion doesn't accurately depict humanity's rejection of God, but rather highlights humanity's rejection of how religion has presented God. Ephesians 5, 8 to 14 says this, for you were once darkness, but now you are the light in the world. What's our response to that? Walk as children of the light. Verse 10, this is our responsibility. To find out what is acceptable to the Lord. It is our responsibility as believers to find out what is acceptable to the Lord. Not just to play it off, live lukewarm, go through the motions, dabble here and there, but actually to uh, fear and fear and trembling, work out our salvation, grow in our relationship with the Lord, find out what's acceptable to Him and living according to it. Verse 11, and we have no fellowship with the unfaith, unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. The reality here is that the cure for the world's pursuit, the pursuit of the world right now is the same man. I don't want anything to do with that legalism or religious ideas, but there's something in the depths of my soul, even though I don't understand Jesus, that there's something in the depths of my soul that I know there's something bigger out there. There's something that I need to set me free. I've tried the drugs, I've tried the alcohol, I've tried the relationships, I've tried to go through the motions, but nothing seems to set me free. Maybe there's something out there spiritual that can. And here in this passage, it is encouraging us as believers to no longer live lukewarm, no longer live in a way that would give people an excuse to turn away from Christ, but rather walk in the light, to wake up to the things of God, to walk in the reality that He has for us. We need a generation to wake up, walk in the light, in power, in purpose, and in purity. Romans 8, 19 says, For the creation eagerly waits with anticipation for God's Son to be revealed. God's sons to be revealed. This passage encouraged us in Romans 8. It speaks about this idea that the world is waiting. They're hungering, they're groaning, they're desiring to just look around for an example. Is there someone where they could just see Jesus in? Is there someone in their workplace? Is there someone in their university campus? Is there someone even in their marriage? Is there someone in their home? Is there someone who's maybe parenting them? Is there someone that they can look around and see Jesus in? There's something in their soul that they're anticipating, eagerly waiting for God to reveal His sons. I love this quote, it says, contrary to the narrative, the actual state of our world by an overwhelming majority, openly acknowledges the plausibility of a spiritual reality. Many even engaging with the various forms of the phenomena. Romans 8, 22, 23 says this, for we know that the whole creation, the whole world has been groaning together with labour pains until now. Not only that, but we ourselves who have the Spirit as first fruits, we also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting, the adoption and the redemptions of our bodies. 
The world is desperately seeking, pursuing a model, looking for an example, someone that they can look to that say, man, I know there's freedom available, but can I just meet a free person that can show me what it means to walk in righteousness, in holiness, not dress one way in someone front of someone else, but then dress this way on the weekend and do this and then do that and say they're Christian, but it doesn't seem to match up. They're looking for an example. The world knows and statistically overtly tells us that they're desperate for something more. But when they look at Christians, they just see a people who kind of go to church, pay some tithe occasionally when it's comfortable for them, occasionally open the book that they apparently claim is the authority of their life. And this is the example the average Christian's giving the world. And they go, well, that is freedom I don't want it. Because it looks just, you're just doing religious activity. You know better than the Pharisees, just doing the right things to present a certain way to certain people. Knowing when to lift your hands, knowing when to do the things. The world's not looking for that. The world's desperate for the spirit that lives on the inside of you. It says that the same power that rose Christ from the dead is alive on the inside of you that the hope of glory that's for the world, you know where that resides? Inside of you. That's where it is. But when they look at your life, if there's a disconnect to the belief that comes out of your mouth and a disconnect to the patterns of your life, then that's why there's a decline in turning away from anything to do with church. Because there's not just simply a rejection of God, but it's how God's been presented. They're looking for a model and Paul knows this. Because in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Paul here in this scripture is saying, you know what? Just copy me. Do what I do. Follow my rhythms. Follow my patterns. Follow how I live my life. And I promise you, it's gonna lead you to Christ. I wonder in this church, I wonder in our church, I wonder in our community, how many people could put up their hand and say, man, if you went and dug around a little bit, checked into the inner dwellings of my heart, if you saw me in my bedroom, if you saw me when I was by myself, if you saw me when I was hanging around with certain different types of friends, that you could use me as a model and it would point people to Jesus wherever I went or would it turn people away. Church, we don't need to believe the narrative. The world isn't turning away from God. They're desperate for the supernatural. They're desperate for the things of the Spirit. They're desperate for something real. They want real love. They want real relationships. They want real encounter. This generation's too brilliant. It's too intelligent. It's too switched on to just buy into the gimmicks, the cool marketing campaigns, the leather jackets, the great social media aesthetic. This generation's too intelligent to buy in and think that's what's gonna make them win their hearts to Christ. They're looking at your life and they're saying, you're a Christian. Tell me something that's real, I'm desperate for it. I'm desperate for the supernatural. I've tried the drugs, I've tried the alcohol, I've tried everything. I need something to impart into my life. Something that's gonna change me from the inside out. The world want the real, they want the real love, they want real relationships, they wanna know what godly, heavenly community looks like, a community that would lay down their lives to one another, not gossip or slander or throw each other on the bus or have agendas or self-interest or self-motives at play, but have a real encounter. 
question is though, the world wants it, but does the church? Because we can't pray for revival in the world if we're not having happy to have revival right here. If we're, not, if we're not willing to be hungry enough for just the Spirit to break out, encounter our lives, not just come and give our like homage to God on a Sunday and like lift our hands, but I've had a, I've had a you know, rough week, so I'm just gonna like, just like disengage and like all these kind of things. We can never believe for it out there. If we're not willing to go, you know what, God, I'm desperate for you. I need you to encounter my life. You know, I love in the last couple of weeks, there's been a, a prophecy that was released over our church that we would be a house of miracles, that we would be a house of miracles. And so many people resonated with this word, connect with this word, came into agreement, alignment. I know the prayer team have been praying over this word and believing for it over our church. But what I love about the prophetic is so often with the prophetic, for it to be fulfilled, it needs to be parted with. That often we hear a prophetic word and go, this is a house of miracles. And we go, all right, God, do it then. And that's kind of what we expect to happen. Like, yeah, we're a house of miracles, but how's that gonna work? How's that gonna go down? Whenever the prophetic is released, it is an opportunity for us as a body, but also us as individuals to say, I'm grabbing that word and I'm coming into agreement with it. The prophetic requires partnership. It requires you to go, you know what? I don't care if no one else here believes it's a house of miracles. I'm a house of miracles. My life is a house of miracles. My life houses miracles, which means when I put hands on bodies, they get healed. That's what I believe. I love in the last little season, we've seen many things, incredible things take place across our church. And I love that it was, that word was confirmation of what God's already doing, but it was also releasing us a church into a new day. But what I love about it is in this last season, we're just... This, there's this particular scenario where a life group, one of the, um, one of the, the older gentlemen in the life group, he uh, kind of out of the blue, out of nowhere, um, started, his heart started um, just beating quite, quite, like, uh, um, quite like just intensely. And he obviously started getting a lot of pains in his chest and he ended up actually collapsing over it, getting rushed to hospital. And you know, in that moment, the doctors, it wasn't looking good. His, it looks like his heart was being totally thrown out. And obviously for anyone who's got, graduated grade, grade one here, you know the heart's pretty important. Um, and uh, the, he, he was at this place where he was literally at the hospital, it wasn't looking good, they'd plugged up to all the machines, his heart's just going all over the place, it wasn't looking good for his life. You know, but quite quickly after this moment, his, his wife had sent out a group text to the life group, the life group began to pray. You know, in that moment, the life group had a decision to make. They had to decide, are we just gonna kind of like say a cute little prayer to God and hope something happens? Or are we gonna come into agreement and believe right now our life group is a house of miracles? That is what our life group is. And we're gonna believe for a miracle to take place. And in that moment, they began to pray. You know, they, they said that, that the report came back. As they began to pray, right as they began to pray, the exact same time that the group text went out and they replied and said, we're praying now. At the exact same time as they began to pray, his heart on the monitor in the hospital started going back to its normal um, beating and going up and down perfectly. You know, within 24 hours, he was totally healed, discharged from hospital. He's now walking around loving Jesus, living his life. It went from a moment where he was at death's door and a life group decided that we're gonna come into agreement with the Word. 
that we're not gonna wait for maybe something to happen and hopefully it does and we're just gonna say a little cute prayer. No, 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 we're gonna believe. You know, for me, I know if I'm ever on my deathbed, I don't need someone by my bed giving me a cute little prayer. I need someone come believing with me that faith is gonna come and inject into my body and heal me. But it comes into people actually gonna agree with the Word. I love this recent testimony came through as well and Pastor Mike shared about it as well, but so often we hear praise reports come in from during our services and life groups and just throughout our community. And this praise report came through real recently. It says this, I've had melanoma for five years and had as many as 30 removed. I've been praying for healing and we put in a prayer request at Faith Love Hope. I went to my specialist the week of Faith Love Hope and in faith that I would believe in that I wouldn't have any more. You know, after that moment, for the first time in five years, I was declared all clear from my melanoma, no biopsies, no maybe spots, no questionable legions, totally healed in Jesus' Name. This other prayer request came through just last week that my daughter, this is what it says, my daughter has been healed, and this happened in a service as I prayed for, my daughter's been healed from irritable bowel and celiac, she has been out of after it. She ate totally normal food for the first time in her entire life. It's an absolute miracle. What I love with these testimonies, it's about a community saying, you know what, the world wants the supernatural. So we're gonna come in agreement with the Word and believe that this is a house of miracles. It's the cure to a dying religion. That religion may be dying and probably it's a good thing, to be honest. Because the world doesn't mean need more like holy activity, perceived good things happening. The world needs a move of God. The world needs a supernatural, the Spirit of God. And it's church to come into agreement and say, man, we are a house of miracles. Our life group is a house of miracles. My life is a house of miracles. Our marriage is a house of miracles. Our home is a house of miracles. It's who we are. I know that for me, it's, it's an interesting journey when you live the life of faith. And for some of us here, you may even be thinking like, man, I, I wanna believe this. I pray for someone and oftentimes I don't get healed in front of me. Like, I feel like my hit rate's low, you know what I'm saying? Like, don't have a good, don't have a good hit rate. Like, I feel like it's kind of discouraged my faith and maybe start to even build theology around our experience and different things like that. What I encourage you with this story, it's happening in April this year. We're, myself and Shen were... We, we went out to kind of Western Queensland where I don't even know if they have like television out there. Like it was, it, it was West. Like it was, it was, um, it was so West that to get directions to get there, the guy stared at me and got on the ground and drew on the grass because he said, there's no street signs. Everyone out here just knows where to go. I'm like, okay. So we were that far West. Anyways, we're out here in the middle of Western Queensland and God's doing amazing things and just pouring out spirit at this youth camp. And um, this young boy runs up to me, just as kind of we were leaving um, at the end of the camp and um, runs up to me and it's just a classic young buck. Like he's wearing some Lowe's watermelon, like top and top piece. It was like a rant. I don't know if you've seen them. It was just classic. But he um, comes running up to me and he, um, he's like, um, oh, like Pastor Chris, like um, you may not remember me. And I was like, not wearing that, I don't. Um, He's like, you may not remember me, but um, uh, three years ago, 
uh, the last time you did a youth camp, the one you did at Noosa 2019, I was like, oh yeah, yeah. He goes, you actually prayed for me. Um, and at the time, I actually was needing, I'd been going through different like knee issues. He was, he was probably like, when I was talking to him this year, he was probably like, you know, 16, 17, so it probably would have been like younger years of high school when, I, when, when I'd last seen him. And he was saying he was going through knee issues. It was looking like he'd been diagnosed with different stuff and he needed a double knee reconstruction and things like that. And he said that I prayed for him um, at one night at youth camp um, and then kind of like that moment happened and then he moved on. And he's like, you probably don't remember it. I'm like, oh, I don't, obviously, I don't entirely remember it, to be honest. Um, but he goes, it's crazy because after that youth camp, it's crazy that I bumped into you three years later because after that youth camp, I went and got scans done on my knees and all the issues going on were totally healed in both knees. He never needed a reconstruction. Now, three days later, he's running around playing sport, doing all the things of the young man that he could never do, that he needed a double knee reconstruction, was totally healed. And that encouraged me, because I went, you know what, in that moment when I prayed for him in 2019, it was kind of just like a prayer, and we kind of moved on. And I wonder, man, how many thousands of miracles are just walking around that you don't know about because of the seeds of faith that you planted at your workplace, the seeds of faith that you planted in university, the seeds of faith when you go and serve at Red Frogs and in youth ministry and kids ministry, the seeds of faith that are taking place, that only years later you hear about this miracle. There's been a miracle walking around for years that I had no idea about. In fact, I walked away pretty discouraged because he didn't fall over. I'm just kidding. That was a joke. It just helps if you fall over. It makes me feel better. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. That guy like front three row laugh. The rest are all like, what's going on with this guy? I oh, go and got a big one. That's good. Aussie love when you pay yourself out. Eh? It's good. I appreciate it. But I wonder how many miracles. This is why we live. We go, my life is a house of miracles. My life lives in this reality. This is, this is what the world needs. And I've devoted my life to planting seeds wherever I go, extending faith, imparting people, the supernatural wherever I go. Because although I may not see a miracle in that moment, I have no idea what God is watering on those seeds, transforming on those seeds and bringing breakthrough in their life because I was standing in front of them and brought faith in that moment, not doubt in that moment. I love this, John 4, 23 to 24. It says this, but the hour is coming. And is here now, where the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Romans 8.5 says, For those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on the things of the Spirit. This is what it means to live a life of faith, to live in a reality of the supernatural in your world. The world doesn't just need to look at your Christian faith and look at a great person who's kind of just doing religious duty. They need to see the supernatural around your world. It is what the world is hungry for right now. But it requires us to have our eyes set on the things of the Spirit, have our minds set on the things of the Spirit. I love this, that Luke 24. I like guys coming out. Fixing it. Luke 24. Maybe I should just pull it out and start whipping people like Jesus. Luke, it's my last night, I can do what I want. Luke 24, verse 49. And this is the promise Jesus says to his disciples. If the team could come, that'd be amazing. Look, I'm sending you 
what my Father promised. As for you, stay in the city until you are powered from on high. In other words, Jesus says, don't worry, I'm about to go, I'm about to go into ascension and be seated at the right hand of the Father. But do not worry, don't worry about a thing. I'm sending a promise that you're gonna be empowered to live the life of faith. So for you here today, you're like, man, what does this even look like in my world? It looks like a continual infilling every single day, refreshing from the Holy Spirit, bringing discipleship, being planted in a life group, bringing people around your world that it can encourage you in this way. Because in Acts 1.8, it says, but you receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When will you receive power? when the Holy Spirit's come on you. The very thing that the world needs is the Holy Spirit. It doesn't need your opinion. It doesn't need your ideas. And I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of the generations gone by. Have we just been preaching at the world our opinion and our thoughts and our nice TED Talks and our nice ideas and our great three-point messages and our good like, oh yeah, it's like really good community, but we're a little bit embarrassed about the spiritual stuff, not realising that the whole time, deep within the world's soul, they've been longing for something real, something real. And it's in you tonight. I encourage you with this story is that in a service much like this, it was actually exactly like this, it was at 6 p.m. Um, we had a moment where we were praying for people and there was a young lady right in the middle here, kind of where Mark Crosby is. Um, he's looking good, by the way. He's still single, bro, he's still single. He's still single, great. 04213, no, go to. It's probably like around that section and God's just doing amazing things. We're praying for people as a community. And there was this one young girl who was just, just in the middle section there. And she actually had this knee issue going on. She'd gone through MR, uh, MRIs and scans and different things like that to figure it out. And she'd even gone through repairs and different things like that. It was just like ongoing issues, no matter what the doctors did, they couldn't figure it out. And as we prayed in a moment like this, where we just prayed for them, people extended their faith and believed that, man, I've got the same power that rose Christ from the dead alive on the inside of me. So when I put my hands on someone, I'm gonna believe the supernatural power to come and encounter them. And in that moment, she got prayed for and she describes it like this, that in that moment, she felt like a hand came into her knee, grabbed the old knee, pulled it out and came in and put the new one in. And after that, all the pain had gone. You know, it's even more crazy. We can, I don't know if we've got it. Can we chuck it up on the screen? This was the doctor's report. Here we go. The doctor's report that came back after this miracle that took place. So this is the history. ACL tear, repair, repair five years ago, ongoing pain, limitation movement, all this kind of things. Technique did a MR, imaging, all the kind of stuff. This is what they found. I'm very educated. This is what they found. There's probably a doc, is there a doctor here that can articulate this? This would be helpful. This is what they found. The ACL, this was after she got prayed for and felt this take place. The LCL appears intact in the left knee with no evidence to suggest that a repair has ever been performed. As if there was no evidence there was ever an issue in the first place. How wild. But it takes place with believers saying, man, you know what? The world needs something real. They don't need just good ideas. They need the supernatural. If we could all stand, that'd be amazing. Romans 8, 11. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then He who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bottles to life through His Spirit. Where does He live? In you. If we could all close our eyes across this place, maybe you're here for the first time. 
Maybe you can come a little while, maybe call City Point home. I don't know your journey, your story. But you're like, man, I feel far from God. The God you're preaching about, the one that wants to heal me, set me free, bring breakthrough to my life. The supernatural God, that's the answer to everything. That wants to set me free. That's the God you're preaching about. I want Him. I want to know who He is. I want to be in right relationship with Him. If that's you, whether for the first time, maybe here for the first time, you don't understand anything, you don't feel perfect, like, man, I'm, I'm not good enough for this whole thing. The best part is, is you haven't found yourself amongst a crowd, but a community, one who every day is taking their next step toward Jesus. And no one's perfect here. It's just a room full of people who've said yes to every day looking more like Him. If that's you on the count of three, you wanna make a decision to follow Jesus. For the first time, as a recommitment, you've once been with God, but you feel far from Him, Maybe here and you're not totally sure you'll say, friend, I can't promise you when you walk out of those doors, what situation you're gonna walk into. But what I can promise you is when you rest in Jesus and get in right relationship with Him, your eternity is rest assured. So if that's you and you don't know Him, but you want to, for the first time as a recommitment or you're not totally sure you're saved, if you don't know Him and you want to on the count of three and you wanna make a decision, I just want you to be really brave and shoot up your hand on the count of three. One, two, Three, shoot up your hands, shoot up your hands. Yeah, incredible, incredible. Shoot them up, shoot them up. Awesome, awesome. Shoot them up really high all across. Let me just look one last time. Amazing at the back. Let me look, I don't want to miss it. Kwan's going to look one last time from the left to the right. One last time. Yeah, amazing in the middle. It's a beautiful decision, incredible decision. Incredible decision, incredible decision. Amazing at the back. Kwan's around the left side, look from left to right. I don't want to miss this moment. I don't want to miss this moment. sense the Holy Spirit is pounding on your chest right now. That's Him. It says He's knocking on the door of your heart. It's your job to let Him in. If that's you, just one last time as I look. One last time. Amen. Father, we thank You so much, God, for every decision. God, we thank You that our light ones for their eternal ones, Lord. God, we thank You that from this moment, God, Your Holy Spirit is coming washing them, cleansing them, Father. God, making them white as snow because of Your blood, Jesus. God, we thank You, Lord, that from this moment, the old is gone, the new has come. God, the pain, the heartache, the anxiety, the things that they've been wrestling with. God, that they are old, they are gone, they are washed away and they are new creations in Your eyes. And we thank You so much for that. And everybody said, Amen. Come on, can we celebrate every decision?